All right. Welcome back to episode number five of the Gathering Podcast by Startwell. This time around, I thought we'd uh, flip the script, turn things inside out. We are sitting down in our podcast studio with a podcaster, and her name is Amanda Cupido. Cupido? Capito. Capito, hey! That's right, Italian. There we go. <laughs> I did that uh, a few guests ago uh, with someone who wasn't Italian, and then he was like, yeah, that, that I get that a lot, but... Uh, <laughs> Not me. I'm like Hungarian. Oh, no. <laughs> but it still sounded great. Yeah. So welcome to the studio, a studio that you've known for a while. That's right. That has changed since it's you've been It's amazing. I'm so impressed. It's all black now. Yes. And you got the proper soundproofing. You got the whole camera set up. Yeah. It's looking really good. Yeah. We pimped it out. We pimped it out. And, and I think the reasons why we did that are going to unfold in this conversation because I think it's something that it sounds like, you know, you're helping people figure out. Yeah. Um, okay, let's start with introductions. Yes. So, aside from being, you know, a Startwell alumni, um, catch us up on kind of like your career in podcasting. It came from radio. Yes. And then from radio into podcasting. That's right. Um, and I think a lot of people that come into podcasting as, you know, a source of entertainment don't necessarily know about the like, the medium's history. That's right. Uh, and the industry around it. So mm-hmm. let's dig into everything by uh, by answering one question. Okay. One question only. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and that is podcasting question mark. How did you get into podcasting? Let's just start there. So I was in talk radio in Toronto. I was a producer, made my way through the newsroom as, as a news anchor and a reporter. Um, and so obviously I had a lot of the skills needed to create podcasts which was, you know, recording, editing. And so I kind of fell into podcasting. I was making a podcast. My first one was more than 10 years ago now. Mm. Um, And I was doing it for a magazine that was trying to up its digital presence. Mm -hmm. And so I made one. And there, just because I I had those bare bones skills. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the time, I was, you know, I had a question mark around podcasting too, as a lot of people did. And so it was a really slow start, but I was, and then it just word of mouth, I started getting little side clients to make podcasts for while Mm -hmm. I was still working in radio. Um, But I would say everything for me changed around 2014. So this was a big year for podcasting. Number one, Serial was released and broke all sorts of records. Serial? The podcast, yes. I don't know anything about that. (laughs) And I'll just pause you there because, you know, the way that I found uh, podcasting was as a DJ uh, coming out in the 90s looking for an easy way to push mixes out to my audience. Interesting, yep. And so I had a record label called IndianElectronica.com, and we were global, and people loved us everywhere. Yep. And so, you know, RSS syndication, of course. We're familiar with that in terms of, you know, how do blogs ping servers and let people know the latest post is available. Mm -hmm. And that's where podcasting kind of came from. Yeah. It was just an RSS feed. That's right. With a media wrapper for a media file, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- I, I, my first podcast was in 2002 or three, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a, a, just a DJ mix series. Right. But So I came into it from this, like, I need to push this content out. Yes. And what's the, like, technical medium? To do so, right. Not thinking about... It's interesting, and I find a lot of people come in from the sides that way, and I guess I took more of that journalistic mm-hmm. route in, sure. which was, um, so yeah, 2014 being, you know, serial, this investigative crime story oh. out of the U.S. Um, and, 
it's, you know, gone on to other seasons, but season one was the one that won a Peabody Award and got, and, you know, hit all sorts of Apple records for downloads, um, hosted by Sarah Koenig, who has gone on to being, um, you know, very well, well, um, well known for, for her podcast hosting. Um, and so it, that's, th- this is the reference point for uh, only murders in the building. Is, yes, is that it? totally. Okay. Yeah. And okay. so it was looking into this crime at uh, this you know, person, Anand Syed, who was claiming that he was in prison wrongfully for a crime that he committed. And actually, just recently, he was released from prison after being in there for, yeah, um, for a while. So um, this, this made waves in the podcast space from a journalistic perspective. Um, At that same time, we saw Apple make moves from a tech perspective, Mm -hmm. which is that podcasts used to be just within um, the Apple Music button, and it was a separate tab. And then Apple extrapolated that and made podcasts its separate button on all Apple devices. So yeah, that so little these, purple square with the yeah. right that like became iTunes a, birthed podcasts. Yeah, and has changed since then. That's right. <laughs> right. And so the you know the word podcast being iPod and broadcast podcast. Um, so Apple was really leading the charge in pushing the medium and it, it plateaued, right? So those early 2000s, it was starting, but then we didn't, you know, it was it was listed um, as word of the year in 2005. So there was mm. this early, you know, excitement around it, but it plateaued and then we saw around 2014 this, this little shoot, this bump. Um, it's shooting up in, in popularity. So partially because there was some great content being made, partially because of the tech implications of it. And around that time too, we saw in North America, especially in the U.S., a lot of production companies coming out and saying, we're just going to be dedicated to making podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so Gimlet is a company that is now owned by Spotify, but you know they were emerging and starting to put some groundwork into their content. own shows and making their company. So that's a content production studio and publishing company. That's right. Okay. And so they do original shows and um, have a lot of popular ones like Reply All and Science Versus, and they have a whole suite of, of shows that are... Um, now exclusively on Spotify, so that's a whole... The right. business acquisition era was later, um, yeah. and that's more recent, like, what we're in now. But um, So at that time, I started really closely paying attention to the industry from a business perspective, mm-hmm. where I started saying, wait a second. And at that time, I was also uh, working in branded content, doing video Okay. Um, out of an agency in Toronto. I didn't know that, actually. I didn't yes. know there was a video element there. Well, I was just... Do- yeah, in my background, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was overseeing a, a video production team. So the company called Media Face, and we were doing branded content. And I just said, why don't we launch a podcast vertical and let's start doing branded podcasts? Mm-hmm. At the time, I still think in Canada, it was a bit too early. Yeah. We were still explaining to clients what is a podcast, which is not a great place to start when you're trying to sell something. Yeah, you never want to explain what you're selling. No. Oh, my God. It was tough. Um, we did sell a couple, but that's where I started getting into the mix of really being strategic with building out show development in line with business marketing communication strategies mm-hmm. and how can a podcast do accomplish all of those things without sounding like a giant ad yep. and checking all those boxes at the same time and really cut through the noise in a meaningful way and do some great storytelling. So, um, And I started paying attention to the industry quite closely and from there... I wrote my book in 2018, Let's Talk Podcasting, The Essential Guide to Doing It Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that took me two years to write, so I started plugging away at it around 2016. Um, but then once the book came out, that kind of you know, shot up my 
presence in the space. And I ended up starting to speak at conferences, both in Canada and the U.S., and talking about podcasting and starting to really get a lot of businesses and thought leaders on board. Yeah. Let's talk about this book. Okay. (laughs) Okay, because at the time, was, was the impetus to share kind of your knowledge and the journey that you've been on with podcasts, or was it uh educational like is it uh, like catharsis is it education or was it just you know even a business sense like you wanted you got a deal and you had to write something yeah it was a mix of several things at the time i was also in talks of being brought on to um, seneca college to revamp their journalism and radio program to incorporate podcasts and there was actually no text that i could really champion especially in canada a canadian podcast book um, so that made sense from a learning perspective. Yep. Um, and actually, I didn't have myself at all in it, really. And that was one of my notes from my publisher. Say, so you got to put more of yourself into it. So it was less about me and more just, here are some shows that we can listen to and learn from. Here are some tactical approaches to how to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what the Canadian landscape looks like. Here's what ads look like. You know, I really just spelled out. I have a glossary at the end, you know, so it really was a 101 for yeah. someone who wanted to get started. Um, but then, so um, if people have read the book they'll know that I then put in a whole chapter on like behind the scenes of me making one of my shows and I walk it through each of my steps I put it I include transcripts of like raw audio versus edited audio that I was doing for one of my shows so I really did pull back the curtain as well mm-hmm. so it is um yeah I, I don't think there, still don't think there's any other book out there like it I haven't come across anything <laughs> there's so, definitely nothing in our library here at Startwell uh, I gave yours. them a book there is <laughs> yeah it's there so yeah and I mean at that point, I was always toying with starting and scaling. You know, it was really just me doing everything end to end at right. that point. Right. And in 2020 is when I decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna scale. And so I launched Lead Podcasting. 2020. Yep. Very impactful year. Indeed, a lot of people's lives changed that year. And a lot of ears opened for podcasts. I'm it's guessing. True. Yeah. So we saw at the beginning of the pandemic listenership actually dropped and Mm -hmm. I think that's more so due to people's routines changing and they didn't really know what to do when to listen Um, but within three months we saw it going back up and then it um, you know very quickly surpassed where it was previously and so now we've seen that upward trajectory continuing since then. Um, Tell me a little bit about audio podcasting versus video podcasting for that kind of dedicated subscriber mm-hmm. it's a tough one also i mean it's a loaded question and yes. i'll tell you what i think about it after yeah i'm curious and i mean there's no right or wrong this is an art at the end of the day and yeah certain projects i think lend themselves better to certain approaches and that's what i like to talk through with some of our clients too mm-hmm. um i am an audio purist at heart and so i do tend to default to audio only yeah um, but there is a time and space for video, and as long as people, I think sometimes people just default to video because that's what they're more familiar with. Right. And so that's where I go. Why are you making the choice to include video? What are you going to do with that video? What are you hoping to accomplish with having that video comp- complementing the audio? Yeah, exactly. It has to complement it because uh, assuming that the audio is the primary thing, because otherwise it's very difficult to utilize cinematography. If you're just setting up a camera in the corner of the room and two people talking, it could take the listeners completely away from. what they're hearing and also with guests we find that some people are just you know when you put a camera and you put the lights they change oh yeah so depending on who you're asking to come to the mic (laughs) as i put on lipstick before this interview (laughs) um but yeah and so it does change the energy and if you're talking to a really vulnerable community if you're trying to 
you know, bring people who are not media trained, who've not done this before, it can be quite intimidating. Whereas if you're just going with a microphone or even just a lav mic, they forget it's there and you're able to get to the heart of the matter. Mm -hmm. um, so it definitely depends on what kind of people you're inviting to be on the show, even the host's own comfort levels. Some right. hosts really love to have their notes everywhere. And then knowing that the camera's on them, they're not going to look or they feel frazzled. Where So a lot of the clients I work with have never done a podcast before. Mm -hmm. And so having no camera takes the pressure off a bit. And it's like, have your sticky notes, have your, you know, whatever you need around you. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. So, um, and you're not focusing on your hair and you're focusing on what you're saying. And that's what's really important. Yeah. And um, yeah, and so um, I think, you know, the traditional approach to podcasting you know some people will say oh if there's a video it's not a podcast but um you know that debate can go on forever but i'm open to both yeah i mean like i i see it like they are completely different things yeah because i would totally ignore the crappy video podcast and say it's it's just a poor use of the medium mm -hmm. and say what you're going for is something that you know if it's a video podcast it's got to have you know serialized video content but ideally building on the ethos of, of audio podcasts, which is serialized content that still um, enables people's, the audience's minds to imagine things. Because mm -hmm. I think that's the big, you know, sell for audio only is that you're listening and you kind of take it in your own brain. Yeah. Uh, and video is, is very difficult to do that mm -hmm. without an understanding of cinematography mm -hmm. and, you know, a kind of a controlled environment for filming and stuff like that exactly but then in terms of the publishing medium i think this is really interesting where like you know lately gus I, the way i look at it is like um you know yeah video definitely killed every type of star uh <laughs> lately in the last let's call it five years as video technology you know and f filmmaking has become more affordable and so on um and we're seeing video clips and content everywhere uh in mass media um so there was this adoption of kind of like video and, and then it drove industry things where Spotify opened up video podcasting mm -hmm. not long ago, like a year ago, I think, right? And in Canada only very recently, yeah. Yeah, so we were one of the first people that were like invited to, to start sending stuff up to the servers and it was such a discordant broken system because yeah. I guess it was through an acquisition. They acquired, I forget what the name of the company was. They've acquired a ton of companies, yeah. yeah and, and that's why too, it's them trying to put the puzzle pieces together as they've brought on all these different companies to try to take podcasting to the next level. And what's so interesting is that like, you know, your average uh, person will probably know big names in podcasts. They'll know Joe Rogan. Oh, Joe Rogan. He's a podcaster. He has a podcast. Right. And it's, uh, they might know it because they caught it on YouTube somewhere. Someone sent them a clip and they just think of it like a show. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the interesting thing is, I don't even know if that's a video podcast, like it's published as a video podcast through Spotify. Yeah, because now Spotify owns the show. And because the other thing is, this, technically, it's very, it's a pain in the butt to upload massive video files to then have those video files still be distributed in the same way as the audio is, which is when a new one is ready on the feed, it gets pulled down to your local device. Right. Everyone is running out of space on mm -hmm. every device. So I think that's a three a bit, hour video isn't going <laughs> to. Yeah. It's a bit of a broken medium. Yeah. And it's definitely something that I'm quite expecting YouTube to pick up on is like creating a new form of this like VOD subscriber based, you know, personal channel yes. thing. But, uh, but anyway, so we'll leave it there. Sure. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about uh, this kind of 
I guess could go back to your story. Okay. You know, you were at the book, right? Yes. In terms of like relating the Amanda story. Right. And um, so following the book, at that time I was working full time in communications with World Vision, a nonprofit. And I was really pushing podcasts as an entrepreneur at that mm. time and carving out a new path for this legacy organization. Um, and being able to do podcasts on the side, I started to teach um, and really which I loved, influencing like the next generation of audio storytellers. Um, so started teaching at Seneca and then also started teaching at TMU, Toronto Metropolitan University. Um, and so during that time, yeah, then the pandemic hit, I flipped to virtual teaching, which was uh, you know, an interesting experience in and of itself. Were your classes delivered audio only? I, you know, that's why I said, I said we, could, we don't even need the video. <laughs> turn your cameras off. Everyone, turn your cameras off. Just listen to me. But I did think it lended itself well to virtual learning. I, I didn't feel I was missing on getting the power of my lessons across because we were able to still really accomplish that. And so, and and from the feedback I heard from my students, I think they felt the same. Mm. Um, and so, and at that time, I, I ended up taking a buyout from World Vision it was a tough time for a lot of businesses, especially charities. And, um, and that's what I used. And that's, you know, that's at the time that I said, okay, and I'm going to go full, full tilt podcasting now. Right. Um, and so launched lead podcasting and immediately it, it was just, it started growing. I hired my first full-time employee within months of, wow. of incorporating. Yeah. So tell us about lead podcasting. What does lead podcasting do? Yes. So we create podcasts that help build your leadership profile. Um, basically, we work with organizations and leaders in really helping them find their voice, create a show that cuts through the noise. Um, and like I said, kind of aligns with some of those business strategies, but does it in a way that doesn't feel slimy, that's really great storytelling, that audiences will truly love. And what's interesting, too, is that when we take this approach, we also try to put some really clear key performance indicators in there of what do we see as success. And a lot of times it's not just making the top 10 Apple charts. Right. Yeah. They have a lot of other goals that they're trying to reach. And it's also talking them through, you know, how is this podcast going to achieve some of those business goals? Mm -hmm. And let's be really clear on what we're trying to do here and have one clear priority of what this is going to do. Um, and that's going to dictate what I like to talk about, the listener journey, you know, mm -hmm. the listener experience. We have the user experience on web pages. So after they listen to the podcast, what are you hoping people do? Um, and being really clear on that. And so sometimes, you know, people I have had leaders who use podcasts just to increase SEO on their website. Sure. They don't want to write blogs. They do a pod. They like to talk. Do yeah. a podcast. Publish, transcribe it. it. Bang. You're mm -hmm. done. Um, I've had people who are wanting to make heavy documents more accessible and the information in them, annual reports, hmm. um, research studies, right? Yeah, which can be really dense and have some really cool findings, but it's just, you know, it takes the time and it mm -hmm. might be buried a bit. And so it's like, how do we bring this to life? Um, so I've worked with Cisco on that, highlighting cybersecurity research findings. That was one of my um, first contracts with Lead Podcasting. Um, so it's great, interesting information about cybersecurity that, the average person wouldn't have really been able to know how to find through Cisco's website. Right. Um, but we were able to really put it out there in a digestible format. Um, and so sometimes, you know, that's, again, was just hoping to help push the industry forward and build awareness. Um, we've also had people who are wanting to drive a sale for sure. And that's a more traditional, you know, you have a, you have a research, you have a discount code at the end. Um, but yeah, a lot of times it does end up being these kind of, um, offshoot goals um, of, of that lead to connections with audience in different ways. 
I think it's so interesting though that we're having this conversation because always since my 20 years of in podcasting I've always thought that the medium not particularly like like the content could be anything but the idea of having an audience member subscribe to your content mm-hmm. especially in such a direct way like podcasting is always like you know it's it's a very personal thing in the yeah. sense that people carry your media around with you um and now, I mean, can watch it on their TVs and stuff like that. But um, but it's a very kind of interactive, intimate, you know, experience that people have. So uh, within companies and between companies and for companies, you know, brands, their relationship with their customers to be strengthened with this as a communication medium, I think is so fascinating. Yeah, it's um, pretty powerful. So are there any examples of within company usage like you know cmo who wants to kind of like push out updates to his marketing team that's globally distributed kind of thing yeah you're bang on so okay. we've done a lot of internal podcasting as it's mm. referred to where we're making podcasts for companies who want to build community within their organization mm-hmm. so a recent one that we're working on right now is with Sleeman breweries and so oh. um it's great they're on to season 2 and you know, they've got so many employees and the C-suite executives can feel far removed sometimes. And so being able to sit them down, have a chat, have a beer, you know, talk about what they like um, with their head of communications, it's purely for their staff. So if you look this up, you're not going to find it. Right. Um, And again, that's another one where the goal wasn't to crack a top 10 list, but it was more so to really reach this specific group of people, have them feel more connected Um and ultimately feel you got a you got a bunch of marketers for your company right there if they feel like they really believe in it that they know they could talk about what the brand is doing they'll feel in the loop in the know and what's mm-hmm. to come um and so that's another thing that you know a lot of I, I know internal communications, a lot of times there might be C-suites who do a video and even sometimes that can feel a little bit too slickly produced and right, too put right. on where yeah. this kind of a conversation just humanizes leadership mm-hmm. um, and brings them p- together. So like Shopify has an internal podcast. We also did an internal podcast for World Vision when I was there. Right. Um, and so that was great because that was the first one that I made and I got to use that as a case study, as a starting point. Mm-hmm. And with an international team like that, which is huge and spans over 100 countries around the world um audio going back to what you were saying about dense files yeah you know we are working in countries where the internet is not that great oh, yeah. <laughs> and so videos are tough to get through but audio makes is just that much more accessible right yeah small file size and people are on the go in different places around the world especially if their work yeah. demands it yeah. so listening on the plane in the you know and even being able to record with them, right? A lot of yeah. them didn't have a solid video feed because of their internet. But audio, if we just focused on that, was l- more likely we were going to get a clean recording with them um, and so, be able to include them in. I think also, especially if the the show is kind of not just like leaders, you know, presenting uh, yes. banter constantly. Staff involvement is huge. Yeah. So like being able to solicit perspectives and then share those amongst the whole team through yeah. this single channel is awesome. And what was so special was, you know, the um, podcast that I did with World Vision International, the internal one, had I was co-hosting alongside the CEO of World Vision International. And mm-hmm. so um, we kind of tagged team segments and I was producing it. And when I was doing outreach to some people that were working in the field in Lebanon and in the field, you know, in all these places around the world to say, you know, come on to the podcast. You're going to have a chat right. with the CEO. They're, they feel so special to get that 
even that 15 minutes mm-hmm. of a one-on-one conversation, they would have never really gotten otherwise. It's so rare. Um, and so that's like for them was such a big deal. And then their entire team is so proud that someone was getting represented. And so they're going to be sharing it internally and having people come alongside and cheer them on. And so it really did do some magic and, and, uh, seeing their reaction and how proud they were when the sh- episodes came out. Right, right. Like, I'm like, there it is. That's, it's like a whole other thing to socialize within the organization. Yeah. Yeah. We've been helping a few customers in the same, in the same bent, uh, particularly in this studio, but then also doing crazy stuff over at the new one. I don't think you've seen this. I space. haven't. We're going to have to do a tour. Oh, it's epic. Cool. It's kind of exhaustingly epic because it's uh, <laughs> exhaustingly epic. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was the, so us creating this 3,500 square foot dedicated white psych for film and, and, uh, well, like motion and stills. Well, mm-hmm. that was the main impetus. Uh, not so much audio first. Uh, we created this big space because of a few reasons. One was it was supposed to be, uh, an office space. Then the tenant pulled out and then the pandemic happened. So I was sitting on this big building, and I wanted to get my chops up on a lot of production techniques. So I was like, okay, we're going black magic. We got all this black magic gear, and I started filming different things in the space um, and then testing it with creators, and creators love the studio, and then now we're, you know, we, we're the, the studio choice for brands like Nick's and stuff, so that's really cool. Awesome. Good for you guys. But exhausting in the <laughs> sense that uh, your conventional studio environment for, you know, for, for visual media Mm-hmm. require setup and teardown each time, you know? And so we got all this gear and we could do all sorts of amazing stuff. But when you want to create serialized content, typically that then means that you've got to, you know, pack heavy shoot days back to back to preload your series. And you're recording like 10 hours a day to cut 10 episodes, hopefully if you're lucky, all that jazz. So in that experience, um, yeah, we re- kind of like jazzed up this studio. It said, uh, as a controlled environment, to just jump on the mic. Yep. And what we found in doing that and in uh, releasing Startwell's podcast as a video series as well now on YouTube and stuff is uh, a lot of our network of influence is kind of, you know, enjoying the content, but also saying, wow, you have the utility of the room, mm-hmm. of the studio, and obviously production services. So maybe we could do something. And that's where all these conversations have started. And it's amazing to just brainstorm on what um, the communication problems almost are yeah. in organizations and how they can be served by this medium. Yeah. I think there's massive potential. For sure. And I think a lot of the barriers to people starting this type of work is that tech barrier. And so having something like this all set up where it's a plug and play, mm-hmm. um, I think taking away and, you know, I'm just a champion of this sort of storytelling. And that's what we try to do, too. Um in saying, okay, we're going to take care of all that hard stuff for you and just come. And so that's why having this available. And even as someone who, so my company, we do pure remote recording. Like on location normally? Uh, No, like virtual recording. Okay, so let's break that down. Yeah, and there is is still a value, a real big value to this. So I was about to say, I might use this (laughs) because sometimes we do need a studio and I don't have one. So we need a place to rent out. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, thanks. But yeah, we could talk more about this, but we... Because we launched in the pandemic, we had to do it right uh, virtually. And then a lot of my clients, and there was a couple of them that I had been working with individually in person, and I would do a pop-up studio is kind of how I – so I have a little kit that I would bring, and we would do it in their office. And there is a benefit to that, too. You're comfortable, again, someone who might not be experienced behind a mic – Doing it in a space that you're really comfortable in can mm. help take that pressure off. But So that's why I was kind of approaching it before – um, but then when everyone went virtual, they just all wanted to stay that way. 
So, so what does that what does that mean? Like what, what was your stack when you're kind of remote you're doing calls essentially? Yeah. Is like uh, let's talk tech stack just to inform our yes, audience who are sure. considering, you know, producing their own show. Yep. Um across the border and like not in a studio. So we use CleanFeed, which is an audio only recording platform. And that's again, you know, intentional. Um we have a pro account, but there's also free account. So if people want to go and play around with it, have at her. Um, I find it is the best audio recording software. And we did use this at the radio station. It's obviously evolved since then mm-hmm. um, to record audio only. There's nothing to download for anyone. It's browser-based. Browser-based. And you can record in multi-track. I, as someone who's running the recording session, I have control over everyone's audio levels. I have filters I can apply. If someone doesn't have headphones, I can put on a no headphone filter. I can load up clips and have people react to them mm-hmm. and play them in and have it part of the recording. So there's a lot of great... Clean feed. Clean feed. And I... And what yes. About, how do you get around the problem of mics? So honestly, clean feed, the way it records, no, even if you even if you don't have a mic, it sounds really good. You wouldn't That's know. That's You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. And like we've... Yeah, and even with a simple USB mic, yeah, it's yeah. great. Now, it, like AirPod mics, no. Right. I would rather go no. I've experimented a lot with it, obviously. So even with, um, yeah, I'd rather go no mic, no headphones than mm-hmm. an AirPod situation. Um, and so, but usually, what we recommend, we give a you know a recommendation. Usually, our hosts will have a mic, mm-hmm. and then guests we're gonna troubleshoot but you know what now a lot of people have usb mics yeah so yeah, post pandemic people have had to like kit out their, their home office setups. so most yeah. of our guests end up having them and even when they don't they sound really good wow yeah so that's that's how we record and then we edit in adobe audition okay and that's really it what adobe has an audio editor <laughs> we have full you know adobe cs of yes, course yes but uh, I never would have thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They have an audio editor. Mm-hmm. I, so that's honestly, what I've never checked it out. I'm so old school. <laughs> I, I'm like, I don't even remember. Acid and SoundForge were my tools of choice back wow. in the day. And then Sony bought them. And then, you know, this the software development languished. Yep. And since then, the only other linear audio editor that I've used outside of my video suite, so outside of like Blackmagic, which has this amazing oh, cool. uh, audio functionality especially for cinematic audio and stuff, but uh, is Audacity, yes, open source free one. Which is great, and I recommend that to a lot of people. Um, and you're able to do, that's how I started in podcasting. I was mm. editing on Audacity. Um, but once you want to get to doing a little more treatment and having some more creative license to, mm-hmm. to do stuff, um, yeah, Audition's where, where we've gone. Crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the publishing flow, like yeah, typically... How, what do you recommend these days? It's different every time. Because I throw a bunch of stuff on our server. Like, it's all on our server. If my server goes down, it's all dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen to you. <laughs> it has happened. <laughs> oh, no. It happened with my record label. That, that label that I mentioned, Indian yeah. Electronic, we had over 60,000 subs. Um, no. And uh, and then the server went down because I didn't renew the domain name. Shoot. And someone in Japan snipered it no. for ads. And oh. then I couldn't get the domain for I don't know how many years. And then it took me like two years when I got the domain back. Uh, so now that's live again. Uh, to source even my mixes. Because oh. I didn't even have backups. Wow. Okay. Well, you got a backup. 
So <laughs> but, I think yeah. we're missing like five episodes. Yeah. But, oh, no. it, it, but it's been reborn. Good. And, uh, and yeah, again, once again, it's exactly like before everything's sitting on the server. Yeah. So, I mean, we, okay, well, if we're getting into the nitty gritty of what the tech setup is on our side for Leedy Podcasting, we have Dropbox. So everything is in Dropbox from a archiving perspective. Yep. And then we publish to um, Libsyn is a lot of, most of our clients or our own shows tend to go there. Um, there is a monthly fee to that. There's a ton of different podcast hosting platforms. Mm-hmm. Lipson is the oldest and, you know, has been in the game for a long time. They, they, it look, and you could tell <laughs> up until recently, they just, you know, redid their website and their dashboard, which is great. But, um, yes, there has been some podcast hosting platforms that have just gone down or even just been unavailable for random 24 hours and so mm-hmm. that's always something you got to be mindful of um we've been really happy with working with Lipson, and they none of this is paid by the way this is just genuinely what we use sure yeah. um anchor is free anchor fm yes and that's you know i was i recommend that for people who are trying to do something and keep it really cheap and cheerful there is no cost associated but once you get into some of those monetization routes and um you got to just make sure you are reading the fine print but the, once they got purchased the anchor got bought by spotify so once that happened that's the platform that's running their video okay yeah. so once that happened that's when i said okay because i was always hesitant of where am i putting it up and will this company be there right. <laughs> for the long run yeah. once they were purchased by spotify I started having more confidence in that and re- recommending that to people who were, um, for instance, sometimes we'll, we'll, we do a lead, uh, a lead podcasting accelerator course for individuals rather than larger businesses. Um, and it's like a, a cohort that will go through this 10 week program. And by mm. the end of it, they have a full season, their first season That's of awesome. the show. It's really cool. Um, did you run that uh, seasonally or how does Seasonally. It we did it twice this year. So a uh, fall and a winter cohort. Uh, next year, it's looking like we'll just do one in the spring. Mm-hmm. And so you do two workshops, then you have access to the lead podcasting producers and we and and you know we record and edit for you and then you get five part series plus a trailer and then do a workshop on like marketing and uploading. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just our recent little cohort just graduated. So um, congrats to all of them. But um, yeah, so for them, for instance, we're saying Anchor is a great route. You're testing out podcasting. Usually this is your first season. Um, you're trying to do it usually on a budget. Let's go. We're going to walk you through Anchor. And so we point them towards that route. Mm-hmm. And Anchor does have a lot of neat things that you can do, like polls. And But that's, again, only on Spotify. So it's also being mindful of, okay, okay they're in, you ought to know they're in bed with Spotify. And right. Where's your audience? Where is your audience? And like, what are you going to tap into and just recognize that not everyone might be able to take part in that element of it? So you, know, you just got to man- manage that. But another interesting thing with that integration with Spotify and Anchor is that... Music licensing for podcasting, I mean, this is a whole other topic, but mm-hmm. briefly, I will say yeah. it's quite tough, and there's no overarching global body that's no. granting you licenses, and so unless you're going directly to the artist and the um, and the record label, it's really tough, and so wh- people who are wanting to just do a music podcast and talk about music, mm. it's really tough if you can't play the, the oh, song, yeah, for sure. and you will get ripped down c- right away because there's all these AI um, tactics and in, in you so know, you get your own server. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, you'll still, like Apple itself, if you're syndicating to Apple, Apple could take it down. So anyway, Spotify has done this very interesting, you know, workaround. I don't think this will be around forever, but in the interim, mm-hmm. it's integrated with Anchor so that you can throw to a song. And as long as that song is on Spotify, you plug it in 
and you upload your episode in chunks. Yeah. And so when the listener is listening to it, it will switch from your podcast to the song to back to the podcast. Oh, poor artist. And then it puts it in. I mean, that's a whole other debate. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, So we can leave right? it there for now. But, but interesting, these workarounds that are emerging, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's it's like, crazy. I never heard of that. Yeah. really nuts. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really think that uh, that podcasting has a lot to offer uh, in the world, in the corporate world, now that you know teams are distributed. Yeah, and uh, and people are feeling a little bit kind of like separate from each other. Uh, so far on this podcast, we've been talking about you know remote teams, distributed teams, them coming together in real life mm-hmm. for you know holidays together in a way, or working holidays kind of thing, offsites. It's what we facilitate a lot. Uh, the ones here in Toronto are, are not so much like, you know, beachy-tastic. People are not, they're drinking cocktails at the end of the day, but not <laughs> in the beginning of the morning. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really interesting that, you know, a podcast is a project for a team that is distributed where everyone can contribute to it. Mm-hmm. Would be amazing, not only for like keeping them in the loop, but yeah. for team building. Yeah. Have and you had requests for that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, well, and I've also consulted with companies that have been experimenting with this. Um, and so one of them being Kobo, who was trying to really get their their own team involved. And this was a external podcast, um, Kobo in Conversation. But they did this kind of behind the scenes episode where mm. they went around the office and just asked everyone what their favorite book was and what they wanted or what book they were asking for around the holidays or something. Mm. And they made this really neat montage. And then suddenly you got all of these people sharing that episode on. They're like, oh, this was our highest performing episode. I said, well, of course it was. Yeah. You got every single person sharing it because they got to hear their voice, even if it was just for, you know, five, ten seconds. Yeah. And so, um, you know, taking that approach to having people contribute and bringing things together, mm-hmm. um, it just gives people a real voice and makes them feel excited and heard. Totally. Yeah. What do you think for podcasting as a whole? You know, at least with this lens, let's call it the kind of like corporate lens. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is around the corner in terms of how businesses will be using podcasting in the next five years? I think maybe I'm biased <laughs> because, um, you know, I see a lot of potential in this space. And now will people actually jump on and do sure. it? Let's see. Right. But um there's some really neat AI technology that's being developed, including some from lead podcasting. Um, what? You're developing AI technology? <laughs> oh, that's great. This is the, like the new zeitgeist. Is everyone's like, oh, yeah, I got some AI for this. You know, I'm working on some AI for that. Blockchain was the other day. You know, like I'm done with that blockchain stuff. But. Well, you know, it, it's. It's like every entrepreneur, which you'll get, you look, you see a problem and you go, how can we solve it? And I didn't um, foresee myself getting into this space, but here I am. Um, But, you know, one of the community give back projects we did, this is where it started from, but I I, I assure you, we'll get back to internal podcasting. (laughs) Stay with me on this. Um, It started from the problem of people coming to me saying, I want to record loved ones before they go oh wow or i have recorded and i have 10 hours and now what do i do with all of this and i would be like send it to me i'll edit for you i'd feel so bad people attending my workshops and asking me these sorts of questions and so i just thought there's got to be a tech solution to this Mm -hmm. um and so i worked with two developers jake and troy Uh, shout out to them in coming up with this technology that um pieces together a podcast episode for you automatically and so it's rememberthispodcast.com 
It's uh, browser-based. So you go in, and there's 10 questions, just general questions about your life, and you just hit record. You could skip over questions you don't want to do. And at the end, you just click mix, mm -hmm. and it mixes it down with music automatically and voice narration from me Okay. as a host. And so at the end, you have this little episode um, teeing up this person, their age. And That's then so cool. It's really it's beautiful. And so then at the end of it all, you can save it for yourself, just keep it. Um, or you could submit it to the podcast. So we have a podcast that goes hand in hand with it called Remember This. Wow. Um, and so it's this collection of amazing stories of people who have used this app and create, and we've gotten such wonderful feedback. We just wrapped up season two. Uh, it was nominated for a Canadian Podcast Award. Congratulations. So thank this you. is such an interesting project. Yeah, it was, it was so beautiful. And so we mixed, the podcast was a mix of these auto-generated episodes. Yeah plus original interviews we did with elderly folks around, and we did some pro bono workshops in long-term care facilities and got people to share their story. Um, so it's this really beautiful mix of, of just people sharing stories, memories that deserve to live forever, which is the tagline of the I show. I like that. Yeah, so it was really beautiful. Um, and so as we put this out there, it's free, and you know, the, a true community give back. And so that's out there, and as this is out there, I'm thinking... This would be so brilliant. You could use it for so many different for contexts. so many things. And like an internal wow. podcast where a CEO sits down and records those 10 questions mm -hmm. like I did once. And then any new employee that comes in gets to choose which ones they want to answer and way to onboard someone. And yeah. instead of that get to know you, you know, slideshow or, you know, every company does something different. You could have them just answer whatever questions they like and pump it out as an internal podcast. Yeah. The CEO is getting voice time but only has to sit down for one recording and then it's automatically – there's no editing that you'll have to do. It just turns automated. it out. Right? Automated. And, and there there is the ability to just have it actually published right away too and have it connected to a website and it's wow. just all a click of a button. And so – in five years, I would love to see something like that being used by HR teams and um, internal. Like, I just think there's such a strong internal business case for oh, something for sure. like that. Yeah. Are you ready for test cases for like yes. if people having questions? If they do come, yeah, because I've had a lot of curiosity around it, but no one's yeah. really, there's not pulling the trigger. I know it's tough and it's, you got to commit to it in order to, and you can't just, a lot of people, a lot of businesses, if they're not sure about it, they want to dip their toe in. We're doing a six episode miniseries. We're doing a, you know, and this is the kind of thing where you got to be feeling pretty confident right. with testing this. Yeah. Um, because we're going to build you a whole thing, but the team is ready if anyone wants in. There you go. <laughs> All our audience is, is probably pretty peaked uh, in interest right now because the bulk of the Gathering podcast and, and Gathering series audience are people who support people, right? And yeah. people who develop solutions that make their people's lives better. Uh, HR people and other supports, EAs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so on that note, how do people get in touch with you? You can email me, Amanda at leadpodcasting.com, where you can find me on social. I'm pretty much on everything if you look up Amanda Capito. And before we call it quits, I want to hear a little bit more on the journey since Lead Podcasting was founded yes. and the question of scale and where you want your company to be in the next few years. Well, 
it's a good question and not to deviate too far from the podcast conversation, but I am, it's so hard as an entrepreneur. I want to scale in so many ways. I have so many ideas. Um, but I have, you know, really hit a great rhythm with what the company is doing right now. We have a small but mighty team. We're usually producing about seven podcasts at any given time. Yeah, it's wow, good. Wow, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So we're we busy. have, we're busy. It's great. And it kind of, and so we have the accelerator program there. You know, we have this AI kind of on the side. We'll see what happens with that. But between the um, original series and the accelerator program, we're in a really good rhythm. Um, and I was looking at scaling internationally and mm. helping, um, you know, businesses that want an English podcast from other countries. Okay. But I've paused on that just because I have taken another role with a radio station. So back to radio. Back full circle. Wow. <laughs> I just love audio. <laughs> so, so what are you doing for uh, which station? So it's uh, six forty Toronto. Many people know it as AM six forty. Okay. I'm the program director there. So congratulations. Thank you. So we are. So I'm more advising on the lead podcasting side. I have my team in place. It's in a good position. And um, you know, my day to day is at the radio station now. Um, and it's a really interesting time where people go, oh, radio's dead and it's all podcasting. And it's like, uh, no, I just completely disagree. And I see this world where there is both and they both offer such different things. Oh, for sure. And I'm so happy to be at this intersection of creating audio for podcasts, but then also really, you know, creating a new era of talk radio in Toronto and in Canada. Mm -hmm. And so I started that role in January and um, yeah, I've been there ever since and it's um yeah and it's a, it's an exciting time yeah i mean i i'm definitely someone who would agree with you uh one of our favorite magazines here on campus is monocle mm. monocle magazine and monocle the editorial board has has been adamant i think in pursuing a multi-channel strategy that's kind of counterintuitive from day one where it was you know audio uh was was the thing that they backed and they have a radio station or stations, mm -hmm. they have uh, you know podcasts that really I think is for the most part they're they're the shows that go on the station are podcasted. Okay, so people could kind of like jump into just that particular show if they want. Cool, as far as I understand it, um, and and I love that idea, you know, and and then even the idea of kind of like other media like you know written word and photography and video accessorizing mm -hmm. the audio world, they don't need to be the other way around, especially where I kind of am feeling that people are like burnt out with visual medium. Mm -hmm. you, know, you get it tires you out. Yeah, listening takes less energy. Yes, than listening and watching. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's this magic to radio where it's urgent and immediate. Yeah, and that's and very different from podcasting, right? Yeah. And so it's like playing into the sweet spots of that medium yeah. and not trying to do be all things to all people and have the video and the photo and the social. Like It's like, let's do a couple things really well mm -hmm. and let's lean into what this medium is offering. Yeah. And yes, there's going to be some overlap where we can repurpose and, but we got to tweak it so that it makes sense for what we're what we're doing, where we, where the where people are actually digesting it. So your cliff notes on top trends in talk radio as of now? Right now, I would say a lot of people associate talk radio with angry radio, hanging <laughs> like up on callers. calling to complain about things. And just, you know. <laughs> um, or sports. Right? Heavy on the yeah. sports. Or like dumb people in the morning. You, you like, know. You know, empty heads. Yes. Talking about nothing because yes. their listeners are just trying to get their coffee in their system and get going. Right? All of that. All of that. Yeah. You're not alone. The 80s basically is what we're describing. <laughs> 
so we're really trying to flip it on its head and we go, okay, we want a place where people can come to find common ground. We're not hanging up on people. We're actually trying to bring people together. You can get into a, you know, echo chamber as we know. And it's like, wow, imagine a place where you're going to be able to come and not, you know, not start a massive fight, but really just have come together and have a great discussion about something. Wow. It shouldn't yeah. be such a shock, but we're really lacking it in the in it, you know, the audio space and the radio space, um, but media as a whole for sure. Um, come together, um, learn something. So the call letters have recently changed since I've been at the station. It is now CFIQ, emphasis on the IQ, because we really want listeners to come in and feel like they walked away learning something. So no more of those empty heads. It's informed opinions and probably multiple angles. And then you choose where you want to land. We're not here to just pitch you on something, but we're coming together and really having, um, yeah, interesting discussions with really strong takeaways and changing the face of what radio looks like. And so right now our lineup has more women than men. Mm -hmm. Shocking weekday lineup. Um, You know, not the norm. Even me, I am the first woman program director for a talk station in Toronto. Ever? Ever. What? Uh, I know. <laughs> I won't even say congratulations. I'll just sad. say to everyone before you, I'm going to say what? Yeah, exactly. Jeez. And so, um, and I, you know, and so that's why there's just like, a, it's time. It's been, yeah. it's, been a, it's been a long time coming. And so already I think, you know, I've, I've been able to start... And also just like having fun again. I think yeah. we've gotten really bogged down with the news. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Like everything gets very serious. And normally. heavy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like we could also still have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, totally. try things and invite people to call in and engage with them. And, you know, sometimes, too, we're so used to like a million calls in a segment. Maybe we just get one caller who's so interesting that we let them have the segment. Right. And encouraging the team to really lean into their gut, try new things, Um including what our digital presence looks like, mm-hmm. um, but even on the air, you know, and just get back to some of those those basics. Okay, and la- last question on this note, because I think there's tons to talk about radio and we'll have to do another another show about yeah. that. Um, but radio going digital, there's been, you know, all these startups and, and now LinkedIn as well, I think it has a, a platform like Clubhouse mm-hmm. was what they everyone's kind of saying, the copycatted, yeah. but the idea of... You know, live audio channels that can be multi-participant online. Yes. Uh. I know. I mean, so it's social audio, as people in the industry like to refer to it. I, you know, maybe controversial, but I don't like it. (laughs) Because, and we saw this happen with Clubhouse. And anytime I tried to- sticky. No, and you, yeah. you, it, there's a lot of riffraff that end up in It's hard to go through. It's not carefully curated, but then this moment you start curating it, you're like, who's in charge of the curation? And it's like, it can, it just ends up getting a bit messy. And I think for some instances, it, it can be good if you want to have like a, you know, the AMA chats on Reddit and you want to do that live. Right, right. Great. And you want to use it as a way to talk back. But as a regular episodic or, or daily thing, um, well, let's just say I'm, we're not the, the the radio station is set up for success in that area. And mm-hmm. if you look at the teams that are behind that, you understand why those people are there right. and why what ends up coming out on the airwaves is so strong um, versus what you might be getting from a social audio perspective. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for joining me in the studio. Thanks for having me. Lots of interesting tidbits. I think particularly this idea of like, you know, podcasts for uh, 
internal communication at companies is something I'm going to be mulling over for quite a while. Yeah. I love it. And hopefully we'll have you speak at our gathering conference in April. I would love to. Excellent. Okay. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers.